Amen. Thank God for the blood of Jesus. It'll set you free. I'd like to welcome those that are joining us by the way of the internet. I thank God for your presence with us tonight. And it's our Wednesday night service here in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, Friendship Baptist Church. And thank you for tuning in with us. And please pray for us. We desire your prayers and we need your prayers. And uh, may the Lord uh, bless you and we pray for you and, and thank God that you'll tune in and listen. I trust this message will be a help to you tonight. And, and the title is Being the Church that God Wants Us to Be. And we understand that a church is made up of members. So we need to be the members we ought to be in order to be the church we ought to be that bring honor and glory to our Lord and Savior. And as we, we wait on His soon appearing and His, His coming, and we look forward to that. Thank God for the blessed hope. And if you'd like to find your place in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, and the Thessalonica, the church there, was, was, is a good church overall. And, and, uh, but, but there were some things that had to be addressed and, and some things that needed to be brought in line with the Word of God, if you would. And, you know, that's where every church stands today. And, and I don't care how long it's been a church, how long they've been there, how long the pastor's been there, if the church is 200, 300 years old, or, or just 10 years old. There, there's always some things that need to be brought back in line. And, and that's always done by the Word of God. And, and as we apply the Word of God in our heart and, and we obey it, then we'll be pleasing unto our Lord. And that's what we want. That's what we desire. And this message is in preparation for our missions revival that's coming up with evangelist Daniel Waters. And you'll be able to tune in. Uh, we, won't, we will record them live and then post them right after the service later on that night. And uh, so you can go back and listen to these as well. That's September the 29th, the 30th, and October the 1st. And we look forward to having Brother Daniel Waters here, an evangelist that God's using in a mighty way. And we look forward to what God's going to do in our hearts. But this message is to prepare us for that, to make sure that there's nothing in between us and the Savior, that God can't do a great work in our hearts as we just look to Him, to trust Him more, that He might be able to help us and to do more for Him. As we, as we wait on the Lord, as we wait on Him, that word wait, remember, is not a, that's not sitting around doing nothing. That's being busy. A, a waiter is a busy person. A good waiter is going to be a, a busy, always attending to what has to be done. And, and we need to be attending, if you would, as we wait on the Lord. We need to be attending to the Word of God. We need to be attending to doing His work as well. And may the Lord help us with that. But First Thessalonians chapter 1, let's start reading in verse 1. Paul and Silvanus and Timotheus and to the church of the Thessalonians, which is in God the Father and in the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God always for you all making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith and labor of love and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of God and our Father, knowing, brethren, beloved, your election of God. For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost and in much assurance, as ye know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. And ye became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Ghost, so that ye were in samples to all that believe in Macedonia and Achaia. 
For from you sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith to God word is spread abroad so that we need not to speak anything. For they themselves show of us what manner of entering in we had unto you and how ye turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath of to come. If we're going to be that church, uh, that type of church, this goodly church that God wants us to be, then according to verse 1, uh, we've got our first point here. We must uh, be aligned uh, with God. Not only with God, but with God's Word. Amen. And that's point number one here. If we're going to be that church that God wants us to be, then we need to be aligned uh, with Him. Look what it says there in verse 1. Paul and Silvanus and Timotheus and to the church of the Thessalonians and underline these words right here, which is in God the Father and in the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, hey, are, are you in God today? That's a very important question. Are you in Him today? Or are you saved? Have you been baptized? Uh, are you walking with God? Are you following His Word? If we're going to be the church that God expects us to be, to be the members that God expects us to be, then we must uh, be in Him. Uh, now, we can't all be the head, we can't all be the foot, the the, the, the fingers or the ears, the eyes, the nose. Uh, I tell you, we're, we're all very particular in, in, in who we are, and God has brought us together to make up this church here. But, but right here's the thing, we all have to be in line with God. It makes no difference where you're at. You have to be in line with Him. And, and, and no matter where you find yourself, you've got to be in line with God. That's so important. When a car gets out of line, and uh, it'll cause unnecessary wear on other parts of the car. If a car is out of line, and, and it'll cause wear and tear on your tires, and it'll wind up costing you more than just that one part that's bad, it'll wind up affecting other members of that car, other parts of that car, if you would. It can even make your driving more difficult and even more dangerous. And I, I heard the story of a preacher there up in Canada. He was taking a trip across Canada and, and all of a sudden, I mean, his car was just pulling and pulling and pulling really. And it got harder and harder to pull. It's right. He, and until he could get somewhere to get it looked at, I mean, he was just fighting that steering wheel and it ate up one of his tires already because it was out of line. And if these things are left unattended, then one day, you know what's going to happen? If you leave your car unattended when you know it's out of line and it's pulling to the left, pulling to the right, you know that there's something causing that, if you don't attend to that, one day it's going to leave you on the side of the road. And you know, there's many things that can cause a car. Now, I'm not doing a mechanic shop tonight or a mechanic lesson here, but there's many things. I'm using this as an illustration to get to the point here, the spiritual application, if you would. There's many things that can cause a car to get out of alignment. Bad ball joints, suspension issues, struts, shocks, brakes, stabilizer bars, improper inflation of the tires, control arms. And I mean, I could go on and on of things that could cause a car to get out of line. And all these parts that I just mentioned, they are part of the vehicle itself. Uh, they're part of that body, if you would. Uh, but if they're not functioning like they should, uh, then they can alter the smooth operation of the vehicle. 
If you've ever driven a car that's out of line, and if you've been driving for more than 10 years, you've probably driven a car that's got out of line. Now, you probably noticed that it was pulling one way or another. That's probably one of the first things that got your attention that my car's pulling to the left where it wasn't. It was going straight. You could even, don't recommend this, but if you took your hands off the steering wheel, it'd just go straight. Why? Because it was in line and it would hold that line. But when there was a defective part, you noticed that it was either pulling to the left or pulling to the right. And, uh, and you may even notice on your tires that your tires had an uneven wear pattern there. You know, as members, we make up the church. Jesus is the owner and the operator of the church. And in order for Him to take us in the direction that He chooses, we must be aligned with Him. It's so important. We can't be pulling to the left when He's wanting us to go straight. And Paul's writing to the church to make sure here that they are aligned with God's Word. Paul was only in Thessalonica for for less than a month and a church was started by the grace of God. People got saved. But even though this church was in God, it did need to be aligned. There were some issues there that needed to be aligned with God's Word. In order for a church to have smooth sailing and accomplish all that God has for it to do and to be that model church, uh, they needed uh, several parts to be adjusted. There were some parts here that needed to be fixed uh, in order for that church to have be and accomplish all that God wanted it to be. When I have an issue with my vehicle, I take it to the mechanic. I'm not a mechanic, but I take it to someone that I trust, uh, that is a mechanic, and I give him the symptoms. I tell him, he said, what's wrong with your car? So I tell him the symptoms. That's all I can do is point out what's happening, and this is what he always says. He says, I'll check it, and I'll get back to you with a way to fix it or what needs to be done to fix it. Right here's what happened is Timothy and Silas and ha- had brought some of the church's symptoms to the Apostle Paul's attention some things that they had heard, some things that they had seen here, and they they brought it to the Apostle Paul's attention, and God used him to write the epistle back to them in order to align the church with God. This epistle here has a threefold purpose. One, to confirm young converts in the elementary truth of the gospel. They, they, They needed to make sure they were grounded in the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's called assurance of salvation. I tell you, not having assurance of salvation will cause you to get out of line with the Word of God every time. It's so important, that assurance of salvation. Number two is to condition them to live a a holy life, a separation from the world and unto God. And I'm telling you, that that's where a lot of our churches and a lot of the members are going astray these days in our churches is that separation from the world and unto the Lord. The lines have become blurry and, and all of a sudden now we're out of line with God's Word. The third reason for this epistle was to comfort them in regards to Christ's soon return. And some false beliefs had crept in and, and uh, they needed that reassurance that Jesus was coming. <laughs> and he, just like he said, he would come back again. Do you know what will hinder a church more than anything else? It's not the devil. 
It's not the world, but it's when the members get out of line with God's Word. That's what will affect a church and hinder a church from accomplishing or staying in line with God and what His will is for them. When, when a member or two or three are pulling to the left or they're pulling to the right, uh, when God wants us to go straight ahead. You, you remember the church at Thyatira when Jesus wrote them that, that letter? That there were several different groups of people that are mentioned in that letter. There were those that were following Jezebel. There were some that were tolerating Jezebel. Then there were some that were just holding on to the truth. Uh, and the owner of the church uh, noticed that there was some parts or members that were out of line with the Word of God, so he sent them a letter in order for them to get right. And this is what he said. But that which ye have already hold fast till I come. He, he wanted them to stay right, to be right. But in order for us to be the church that God wants us to be, number one, we have to be aligned with God. We, we, we can't be pulling in different directions other than what God wants for us to be. Number two, we need to be a source of joy and a source of prayer. And not prayer because we're going in the wrong direction, but prayer of encouragement so that we stay fast, hold fast and steadfast in the days that we're living in. Look at verse 2. He says, we give thanks to God always for you all making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith and labor of love and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. In the sight of God and our Father, knowing, brethren, beloved, your election of God. After we are saved, God has a work for us to do. And this is exactly what Paul is telling them. You've been saved, okay? You got saved. You put your trust in God, in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And because of that, you have a job to do. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. You, you know, Paul and many others were watching this church at Thessalonica. They, they, they were watching their work of faith. They were watching their labor of love and their patience of hope that they had in the Lord Jesus Christ. And can I just say that people are watching you as well. People are watching this church as well. We have many repeat visitors that come through here on vacation. And, and I thank God for one a lady that was here this past Sunday and said that she was here 23 years ago as a member. And this church just meant so much to her. And she was so glad just to be back here in this church after 23 years of being gone. And, and she lives somewhere else now. But she she was here with her family and, and she said she's just so encouraged by, by what she saw right here at this church. These visitors will remind us sometimes, or remind me, say, hey preacher, last time I was here, y'all were praying for this. And, and, and now we see that God has answered your prayers. Uh, they're, they're seeing God do great things uh, right here in the midst of us, in this church. Uh, they hear of our labor of love. Uh, they, they see our bus ministry. That's a labor of love. Uh, these gospel mailers, that's a labor of love. And they, they see people are being 
added to the church and, and thank God for those that have joined uh, this year and there's still some that need to join and uh, they, they hear who, who we have in to preach and some of these groups that we have come through from various colleges there and, and, uh, and some of those colleges will refer people to come here because of that and then we use, we use sites like Victory Baptist Press to, to, uh, to uh, announce our meetings and revivals and things like that and then our website and, but people, they hear, they hear of who's coming here and they get encouraged. People in our community are watching this church. They see our buses pull out every week. They, they receive gospel mailers weekly. They get personal visits, door-to-door visits. Uh, they, they notice the parking areas that are getting filled and, and uh, they, they see that something is happening here. They're watching our labor. If we're going to be the church that God expects us to be, then number one, we've got to be aligned with God and with His Word. Hey, one direction. Not some pulling to the left, some pulling to the right. They got their ideas. Got to be careful about that because that's in the Scriptures too. Paul addresses that. Peter, others, John. They, they address all those things because it happens in churches. We must be a source of joy and a source of prayer, prayers of encouragement. Hey, pastor, I'm praying for you. Uh, hey, I want God to bless you and use you just like Paul was praying for those at Thessalonica. Said, hey, I, I, I'm praying for you. I'm rooting for you. And then number three, if we're going to be that church that God expects us to be, then we're going to have to be an example of the believers. An example of the believers. In 1 Thessalonians 1 and verse 5, it says this, For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power, and in the Holy Ghost, and in much assurance, as ye know what manner of men ye were among you for your sake. And ye became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Ghost, so that ye were in samples. Okay, that's example. To all that believe in Macedonia and Achaia. This good church, if we're going to be a good church, then we're going to have to be an example of the believers. Thessalonica was in a pagan city. This was not an easy place to be a Christian. But even Paul had been ran out of town for preaching the gospel. But thank God there were those there that trusted Jesus Christ as their Savior despite the opposition. You know, the devil does not like it when the light of the gospel shines into an area where it's dark, where he's got dominion. He does not like that. He don't like the light of God's work to shine in the dark streets of our city here in Myrtle Beach and in these communities that are drug infested. He don't like to see those buses go into these different, these hard areas, these dark areas and bring those children out of there so that they can hear about Jesus. I promise you there is opposition there just like they faced in Thessalonica. May the Lord help us. There's going to be opposition. As we went knocking on doors yesterday and I, I knocked on the door. I saw a chain that was coming out of the, the door, so I always anticipate a, a dog. So I'm looking around kind as I knocked on the door Right there at the window, that there was this pit bull with a head about this big just staring at me through the window. And that reminded me of the opposition that we face. It's always there 
even though you can't always see it, but it, that opposition is there to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And as that dog was there, and, and, and he, he's there for a purpose, uh, to deter people from being around or from breaking in, that's for sure. Uh, but also, I rejoice in the fact that there was a window there. I, I enjoy that he was on the other side of the window and that the door, uh, I assume, was good and secure that he couldn't get out that door to get to me. That also reminded me that there's protection that we have from God. And God looks over us as we go out into to these areas to tell people about the Lord Jesus Christ. And if we're going to be the church that God expects us to be, then we must be an example to other believers, just like this church was. Now, we may not be an example to larger churches that are holding fast to the Word of God and holding fast to the King James Bible and they ain't compromised on their standards and they ain't compromised on their music and, uh, but, but you know what? We, we can be an example to churches our size and that are smaller. We can be an example to them, an encouragement to them that there's hope to stand for Him. Even though we may not have the thousands, but, but that this group of believers can hold fast to the Word of God and be who God wants us to be, even in a dark city. You know, God's Word changes lives. Those at Thessalonica, like it got mentioned here in our verses, they got saved. But not only did they get saved, they got involved. They got involved with their time and with their treasures and with their talents, and they made themselves available to be used of the Lord. A church is made of members, people. But can I ask you this? Would God choose your life? I'm talking about the way it is right now. Not who you used to be or what you want to be. But right now, would God choose your life as an example for good for other believers? Are you at that place? Are you at that point that God would choose you and say, Yes, you should be like this person. Something to think about, because if he can't, then why can't he? What's hindering that? I don't look at how much anybody gives in the offering plates. I don't look at that. I do know the overall number that's given each Sunday, each Wednesday night. But God knows how much you give. Would he be able to use you as an example of someone that's faithful in their tithe and their offering and given to missions? I mean, would, would he? Would he be able to use you? If, and I'm not talking about how much, but I'm just talking about percentage-wise. Would God be able to say... Man, that, that right there, that's a good example right there. Someone is dependent on me. Jesus does that, by the way. You remember when he was there with the disciples by the temple and they were looking at those that were casting in money? Huh. You, you don't think that Jesus didn't point out what that lady did? The percentage that she gave? All. She made everything available to God. Does God have all of you? Would he be able to say, have you considered my servant down there at Friendship Baptist Church? That there's none like him in all the earth, in all of America. And that is perfect and upright and that feareth God that escheweth evil. You know, God knows how much time and how much of your talents and how much of your treasures you give. God knows that. 
Would he speak of you as he spoke of Job? And if not, then why ain't he or why wouldn't he? If we're going to be the kind of church that God expects us to be, then we need to be an example in our giving of our time and our talents and our treasures to the Lord. Jesus said for us to take up our cross and follow Him. Maybe I should ask the question this way. What areas of your Christian life would God not use as an example for good to other believers? What part? What area? Whatever came to your mind just right now, that's what God's wanting to fix tonight. Is it church attendance? Is it involvement? Is it your walk with Him? Is it your giving? Is it being a witness? What what is it? What is it that God's trying to fix? Because God's writing the Thessalonians in order to get them in line with some things. That's what preaching does. That's why some people don't like coming to church. (laughs) They don't want to hear preaching because they know what preaching will do. It will cause them either to feel bad about how they are and, and expect them to get right or, you know, they'll just get mad and not come back. You know, you can take your car to the mechanic and he can tell you what's wrong with your car. He can tell you what needs to be done, how much time it's going to take, and what it's going to cost. But in the end, it's your choice whether or not you want to allow him to fix it and if you want to pay the cost to have it fixed. I wonder what hinders the Lord, what hinders us from allowing God to fix the defective areas of our life. He knows what it is. He has the solution. He can fix it. But how often do we not want to pay the cost to have the repairs done in our life? We we choose to ignore the symptoms because right now I can still keep it on the road. But there's going to come a time if you don't attend to those problems, it's going to get you on the side of the road. And you'll be calling AAA to come get you. But what, what would keep us? What, what would make us not want to pay that cost to have the repairs done? We may have to sacrifice some earthly desire or deny ourselves or have to put our wants and our plans aside and maybe we're going to have to lay aside some weight or some sin and you know what, and we're just not willing to do that. We'll just keep going in that defective Christian life. We'll just keep going because, you know, most of the car is good. It's just that one little area there that needs attention. So, you know, as long as the rest of it's good and I can still keep it between the lines, I'm just going to keep on riding. If we're going to be that church that God wants us to be, then we must be aligned with God and God's Word. We must be a source of joy and a prayer of encouragement. And we must be an example of the believers. Number four, we need to be a sounding board for the gospel. A sounding board for the gospel. Look at verse 8. For from you sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place. Your faith toward Godward is spread abroad so that we need not to speak anything. 
For they themselves show of us what manner of entering in we had unto you, and how ye turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. Oh, by the grace of God, thank the Lord here at this church, we sounded out the Word of God in more areas this year than in the last three years. Thank God for that. We're not doing less. We're, we're doing more. We're, we're moving forward. And so far this year, we're right at four zip codes covered right here in this area and uh, mailing out these gospel mailers with over 65,000 gospel mailers that have went out across the, the homes here in, in Myrtle Beach. And uh, thank God for that. And we've been taking on new missionaries and we've been reaching into more countries and, and, and praying about taking on more missionaries yet to come this year. And we're knocking on doors. We're giving out tracts. Uh, hey, we put another bus on the road this year uh, and, and we're praying for another bus. I'm praying for another bus. Uh, we need another driver. I need somebody to get that burden tonight. Hey, I'll drive. I'll go get my CDLs and, and I'll drive, preacher. You get me a bus, I'll drive it. I'll go pick up children. I'll bring them to church. You know, we're reaching people through our online messages. And, and, and if we're going to be the church that God wants us to be, then we have to be a sounding board for the gospel of Jesus Christ. They were. This good church here, this good model church. Uh, yeah, yeah, there was some things that had to be lined That's in every church. We all going to have to get lined up. Uh, get in tune with the Lord. But we got to be a sounding board for the gospel. Lastly, if we're to be the church God wants us to be, we must be anticipating Christ's soon return. And look at verse 10. And to wait for His Son from heaven, whom He raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. As we wait and anticipate Christ's soon return to take us to be with Him, we must uh, be busy. That, that, that word wait don't mean sit around and do nothing. Uh, Isaiah 40, 31 says, But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Uh, they shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk uh, and not faint. Uh, that, that's not somebody that's sitting around here. When you talk about running, you're talking about walking and mounting up with wings as eagles. That's not somebody that's stationary. That's somebody that's moving. They're move, on the move for the Lord. And can I just remind you, we're living in perilous times. We're, we're living in days of great apostasy and, and folks that were holding on to the truth have turned, they're, they're, they veered off, if you would. And, and the trend among so many so-called independent Baptists uh, is to see how close they can get to the world's ways and the world's standards and the world's music and still claim Christ. That's the trend today. And can I just remind you, that all that's carnal. That's not spiritual, that's carnal. You know, when members see how close I can get to the world, how close I can get to the world's music and listen to it and still be considered somewhat Christian, that's carnal. How close can my clothing come to the world's styles, which by the way is getting shorter and shorter and getting more and more revealing on top for ladies. That's the world style. But that's creeping into the churches. Men are dressing more and more effeminate with their tight clothes and tight skinny jeans and soft colors and long hair. You know, that, that's, that's, that's what's in style. But if we're going to be the church that God wants us to be, then we're going to have to stay busy for the Lord. There's going to have to be some separation from the world. 
Even though the trend of our day, that these last days, this Laodicean mentality is, is to be less involved and to be less separated than ever before, the Bible says that we are to wait on the Lord. That means we're to be busy for Him. That word wait, again, is not sitting around doing nothing. As we wait, that means we're serving the Lord. We're busy. We're to be an example of the believer showing how God's Word has changed our life. Not showing somebody that's trying to stay as close as they can to the world and still call themselves a good Christian. God's looking at people that are going to be totally separated unto Him. Away from the world. We need to be showing our devotion to follow God's Word. We need to be showing our dedication and faithfulness to to the Lord's work. And we need to be showing our commitment to holy and separated living. You know, God still requires us to be ye holy. That's still in the Scriptures. Why? Because He's holy. And just because everybody else seems that, you know, they're, they're, those, that standard of holiness is kind of being pushed further and further away from where God is, that, that don't make it right. You can't justify what you do by what other people do. What does God say? He said, come out from among them and be ye separate. He calls us a peculiar people. And that don't just pertain to worldly and sinful things, but even from those Christians that are not aligned with God's Word, you need to draw some lines with those folks as well. I fear there's a lot of Christians today that are they're, they're holding on, that they're, they're so afraid to cut ties with those that are no longer holding fast to the Word of God. They're choosing friendships over being pleasing unto the Lord. If you're going to have a good day at the judgment seat of Christ, then you better cut some ties down here so that you don't lose your rewards up there. I've heard it said, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. I say, show me your friends and I'll show you who you are. In Proverbs 2.20, it says that thou mayest walk in the way of good men. Here's a daddy telling his youngin, there ain't but one way for you to walk that thou mayest walk in the way of good men and keep the paths of righteousness. That's what God expects of us. For the upright shall dwell in the land and the perfect shall remain in it, but the wicked shall be cut off from the earth and the transgressor shall be rooted out of it. It does make a difference who you hang around. It does make a difference who you allow to influence you and influence your children, who you allow your children to hang around. I like what Moses said. He said, who's on the Lord's side? And then he said these words, and very important. He said, let him come unto me. Moses didn't go to where they were. He said, you're going to come over here. You know, many times we got it backwards, don't we? Many Christians think that they have to compromise or, or give in or, or, you know, lower their standards in order to reach those compromisers. Well, i got to be their friend and hang out with them in order to win them over. Can I just say, that ain't biblical. This is the last day's mentality, though. But right here's the sad part. Those Christians are playing in to the Antichrist playbook. 
ecumenicalism. Let's just all hold hands. Let's just be a one world religion. No separation. Let's just all hold hands and sing Kumbaya or Akuna Matata, whatever. No wonder churches and their members are in a mess. No wonder. If we want to be the church that God expects us to be, then we must be busy serving Him and doing it in a way that brings honor and glory to Him. That means in spirit and in truth. That means according to God's Word. That's what that means. The Thessalonians had allowed themselves to be influenced by the pagans and the compromising false teachers of their day. One of their slogans there of the pagans in Thessalonica was this, After death, no reviving. After the grave, no meeting again. That kind of sounds like the same slogans that we're hearing today. Oh, you can have your best life now. Boy, you better live it up. You better get all you can right now. You know, for a lost person that rejects Jesus and rejects the Word of God, then this is their best life now. That's what Abraham told that rich man. He said, you fared sumptuously every day. Well, you, 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 you live for that day only. But for the child of God, knowing that Jesus is coming again ought to cause us to want to do more and, with Him and be aligned with His Word. Jesus' return should cause a Christian to want to live a separated life from the world and unto God without spot, without blemish. Jesus' return calls us to sanctify ourselves. In 1 John 3, 2, it says, Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when He shall appear, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. And every man that hath this hope in Him purifieth himself, even as He is pure. Well, thank God for the Word of God. Knowing that Jesus is coming back soon ought to cause us to want to make sure that we purify ourselves. We sanctify ourselves. You can't save yourself. He does the saving. But boy, you sure can put forth an effort to make sure that you're walking with Him and that you're living right. Are you living as if Christ is coming soon? Are you living according to the Word of God? Are you applying God's Word to your life? Are you that good example that God can use for His honor and glory? You see, there's improvement for all of us. There was improvement for this good church here. There was some things that they, they was going to have to look into and so that they can be aligned, make sure that their, their heads were on straight and their doctrine was on straight and, and all these things. And as she begins to play softly here, we're about to come to a time of invitation. But, but, but here's a good question for all of us. Where would this church rank in the eyes of God if He were to pick you or shine the light on you specifically as an example of who this church is? If God was to bring the spotlight of heaven down on you right now, where would we rank? Where would this church rank in the eyes of God? Would He find you aligned with His Word? Or would He find you kind of pulling to the left or pulling to the right? Fighting, fighting. Would He find you as a source of joy? 
a source of prayer. People praying for you to just keep leading the pack in faithfulness and giving and witnessing and walking with God. Is, is that where God would find you tonight? Would you be that good example for others to be encouraged by? If not, why not? <laughs> What's the excuse? Would He find you to be a sounding board of the gospel? Would He find you anticipating Christ's soon return and living like Jesus is coming back? Look, we all stand in need of improvement. There's none of us that have arrived yet. And that's why we come to church. That's why we come to hear preaching. Because we want to be in line with God. We want God to use us. If my car is out of line, then the mechanic is going to address that one part that's defective. And he's going to get that whole car back in line. He doesn't toss the whole car. He just fixes that one area. What has God spoken to you about? Is there any area in your life that needs some attention in order to make sure that you are in line with God.